I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate. And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back. Today, you'll learn about why you may want to consider letting yourself daydream, how a sense of humor might protect you from depression and anxiety, and the effects of caffeine on the performance of soccer players. Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. Results from a new study out of Harvard Medical School suggest that daydreaming might help our brains remodel our memories and might serve a higher function than just giving our active minds a little break. Okay, let me unwind this a little bit. So I know that there have been a million studies on the function of actual dreams, and I know that our ability to dream is actually really important for our mental health and for proper brain functioning. But are you saying that daydreams serve a similar role? Well, not exactly, but to put it as scientifically as possible, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) To really get to the heart of that, we should define daydream. Okay, that's... A good point. I mean, we all know what a daydream refers to, but how do you actually define it? When we dream while we're sleeping, certain areas of the mind activate, right? Uh, Can scientists point to specific brain activity that signifies daydreams? Sure. Uh, At the most basic level, daydreams are those few moments where you sort of lose your focus and your mind wanders. Another way to describe it is as a state of quiet wakefulness. Studies of daydreaming have shown a sort of confusing spectrum of positives and negatives. Some studies suggest that people who daydream a lot have lower working memory capacity, but other studies say that people who daydream a lot have higher working memory capacity. Like the two studies show the opposite results? Well, it turns out that studying daydreaming is actually pretty tricky. There is other compelling and conflicting research too, but that's why this new study is so innovative. First, they wanted to specifically look at brain activity in the visual cortex over time. And second, All of the study participants were mice. (laughs) Okay, wait a second. They somehow figured out how to get into the tiny daydreams of mice? Indeed they did. The mice were shown two different checkerboard images and then were observed afterward in a quiet waking state. Daydreaming. Daydreaming, exactly. So they found that when they viewed a specific image, their neurons fired in specific patterns that were unique to each image. And then when they daydreamed afterward, their neurons would often fire in very similar patterns. Okay, so the idea is that the neural patterns are the same, so the mice were probably thinking about the image they just saw. The mice were daydreaming about those images they were shown. Okay, that's pretty cool. But what do these mouse daydreams teach us about quiet wakefulness? They found a couple of fairly logical things, like daydreaming activity in the visual cortex was more frequent for the most recently viewed image. That makes sense. And daydreaming is more common at the beginning of the day. Sure, uh, that also makes sense. My brain has basically had enough by the time I get home for dinner, and it's just ready for real deal dreams. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But there was another really surprising finding. They found that over time, the daydreams about a specific image evolved. What do you mean? 
So not only do the mice's daydreams about an image change over time, the initial neural patterns can allow researchers to predict exactly how they will change over time. So if I'm getting this right, it's like we see something or have an experience and then we sort of go back over it when we daydream. But over time, how we think about that experience evolves. Exactly. And daydreaming about those experiences helps our minds sort them out and make unique sense of them. In other words, daydreaming likely plays a role in brain plasticity, which is the brain's ability to change and adapt in response to new experiences. Huh. Okay, I never honestly thought that much about the daydream, but it sounds like there's a lot going on there. Yep. Obviously, they need further testing to understand how this result translates to humans, and they want to further investigate the connections between neurons in the visual cortex. But this study really shows that there's more to the daydream than at first glance. New research published in Europe's Journal of Psychology suggests that how we approach humor could have a pretty big impact on depression, anxiety, and stress levels. How we approach humor? Do you mean like our sense of humor? Yes, but it's more specific than that. So there's a ton of research that shows that humor helps people through tough times. It can work as an emotion regulator or a coping mechanism. Totally. Finding humor in the world can you know, kind of distract you from the hard realities you might be facing. Exactly. But here's the thing. There are all different kinds of humor, right? Lead researcher Alberto Dianigi wanted to know if the different kinds of humor led to different outcomes when it comes to mental health. So like is someone who loves puns happier than, say, someone who loves watching fail videos? <laughs> okay, something like that. The study involved nearly 700 Italian participants who filled out a questionnaire that assessed their humor style and another that assessed their mental health parameters. They broke humor style down into eight categories. Fun, humor, nonsense, wit, irony, satire, sarcasm, and cynicism. Okay, um, <laughs> what are the differences between, say, fun and humor? Sure, so fun is the kind of humor that is all about pure enjoyment and laughter. Uh, humor is kind of like fun, but it's about finding humor in everyday situations and the lighter side of life. It's kind of like observational comedy. Nonsense is, you know, absurdity. Wit is that kind of intellectually sharp and clever kind of laugh. Irony is when you say the opposite of what you mean, and satire is a social critique. Sarcasm. We all know about sarcasm. It's, you know, it's like those cutting remarks that can be pretty funny, but, you know, also be kind of hurtful. Exactly. And cynicism, they say, embodies skepticism and a mocking attitude toward everyday life. That is a lot of different kinds of humor. Humor is definitely more complex than most of us give it credit for. So it's easy to understand why different styles of humor might have different emotional impacts. And that's exactly what the study found. The more kind-hearted, good-natured style of humor was more correlated with lower levels of depression, anxiety, and stress. The way we joke definitely reflects the way we see the world, I guess. Yeah, and conversely, the darker forms of humor, like cynicism and irony, are linked to emotional distress. Irony and wit are specifically linked to anxiety and stress, while sarcasm correlates with depression. All right, you say correlates. You're not saying that using these different styles of humor will lead to these emotional states, right? Mm -mm. The study didn't find causation. You're totally right. It only found correlations. It's also important to stress that the participants were all Italian, so there could be some cultural differences in a broader study. Curious to see them do this study on a bunch of Gen Z Tumblr users, <laughs> see what type of humor they have and their outlooks on life. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do feel like the bigger picture here is that humor plays at least some role in our emotional well-being. 
Oh, absolutely. And if applied appropriately and constructively with further research, mental health care providers could incorporate a few laughs into treatment strategies. All right. Well, I guess uh, laughter really is the best medicine. Mm -hmm. I see what you did there. Yeah. Well Uh, done. (laughs) Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A collaboration between Staffordshire University in the UK and Shiraz University in Iran has delved into the effects of a particular drug on the performance of 16- and 17-year-old soccer players. Yeah, okay, that doesn't sound super ethical. Uh, They gave 16- and 17-year-old soccer players a performance-enhancing drug? I guess I didn't mention the drug was caffeine. (laughs) Okay, you forgot to mention that. That does make a little more sense. Yeah, and think about this. We might not think much about caffeine, but it's one of the most widely used and popular supplements out there. Lots of research has shown its benefits when it comes to exercise. It's known to enhance our attention, our accuracy, speed, energy. It can boost our mood, obviously. Sure, anyone reaching for their first cup of coffee in the morning can attest to that. Right, but its impact on higher cognitive functions, like problem-solving and decision-making, are somewhat less studied. Okay, so that all makes sense. But isn't soccer all about the other stuff? It's like accuracy, speed, energy. Is there a lot of problem-solving going on out there on the pitch? More than you might think, but let's talk about the study itself. They looked at 12 footballers, as they like to call them across the (laughs) pond, and like I said, they were between the ages of 16 and 17. They had them undergo an evaluation called the Loughborough Soccer Passing Test, which tests for skills like passing, dribbling, control, and, yes, decision-making on the pitch. They also had them do a computer simulation of gameplay scenarios to further test decision-making. Plus, they tested their accuracy at short and long passes, so stuff like that. And I assume some of them took caffeine beforehand and some didn't? They had each participant do these tasks twice, once with the help of caffeine and once with a placebo. So did the caffeine produce a bunch of messies? Aw, you learned the name of a soccer player. You taught it to me! (laughs) (laughs) So not, not exactly. In fact, the results were a lot more complicated than you might imagine. Caffeine tended to make their passes more accurate, especially the longer passes, and it made them more energetic, obviously. But when it came to decision-making, caffeine actually made them worse. What, really? Yeah, decision-making ability dropped by about 7%, and their scores on the Loughborough soccer passing test were 3.5% lower with caffeine. The thinking is that caffeine is good for simpler tasks, but may adversely affect complex tasks. Like, imagine a strategy that involves making multiple passes. So, does this mean footballers should ditch the caffeine? The researchers actually say they don't advise against caffeine use. If it works for some things and the player is used to it, then fine. But it might not be the miracle drug that some see it as. And in any case, more research is needed to really flesh out these findings. Okay, well, I'm going to continue my own research first thing every morning. But not coffee. Five-hour energy. That's where it's at. Are you going to go play a lot of soccer? Is that, is that your thing? 
You're getting, I mean, I'm all about the esports, so. <laughs> sure. Right. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. A study by Harvard Medical School researchers published in Nature reveals that mice daydream about recently viewed images, a process that predicts their future brain responses and suggests a significant role for daydreams in brain plasticity. This groundbreaking research offers new insights into the brain's activity during quiet waking states and its potential impact on learning and memory. New research has shown a fascinating link between humor styles and mental health, finding that while benevolent humor like kind-hearted jokes reduces depression, anxiety, and stress, Darker humor, such as sarcasm and cynicism, is associated with emotional distress. The study highlights humor's complex role in mental well-being and underscores the power of a good laugh. A new study has shown that caffeine improves passing accuracy in soccer players, but impairs their decision-making and performance in complex tasks. In other words, caffeine can boost some areas of an athlete's performance and hamper other areas. Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we would love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.